It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is James Ball. I write every week in the New European on what's happening behind the scenes in Westminster and across the world. If you'd like to enjoy more from the New European... Do join us by subscribing at theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash subscribe. Hello, Snowflakes, and welcome back to the New European podcast. My name is Steve Anglesey. I'm the editor of the New European. If you like what we do and you want to help us keep on doing it, then please join us at theneweuropean.co.uk slash subscribe. This week, Britain is glued to its televisions as a drama unfolds involving a desperate fantasist who escapes to foreign climes, but eventually has to return to Britain to face the police. But that's enough about Boris Johnson's trip to India. Maybe he enjoyed watching The Thief, His Wife and the Canoe on his flight out. Coming up, France looks into the abyss as Emmanuel Macron tries to hold off Marine Le Pen in the second round of the presidential election. I'll be asking a leading French journalist, Marion Van Rensenhem, if the country is moving decisively to the right, no matter the outcome, and what all that means for Europe. And then we'll be putting more blowhard backbenchers, malevolent ministers and putrid pundits into a hall of shame. Before all that, I hope you had a good Easter. What did you do? I took a week off from this podcast and I joined a back Boris group on Facebook where the self-delusion is strong and the empathy is weak. Here is a post from that group. It's from a couple of days ago. This got 1.3 thousand likes. A woman is being interviewed crying on the news. She can't afford her bills with the benefits she has and she challenges Boris to cope on her budget. Well, get a grip and a job. Here is the latest news. Working people struggle to get off, spelled wrong, your, spelled wrong, backside, and go earn a living and try your best. Don't go on the news. It's attention-seeking, not being rude, but she didn't look hungry. Wow. But happily, not all of us think that way. The last two opinion polls have put Labour an average of 9.5 percentage points ahead, edging into overall majority territory. And as I'm recording this, we've got a new poll from YouGov showing that 78% of voters think Boris Johnson has lied over Partygate. That includes 61% of 2019 Tory voters. Only 17% of those who voted Conservative last time think that Boris Johnson hasn't lied about Partygate. So maybe it's time to start thinking about a new job for Boris Johnson. And listeners of this podcast have had some ideas. We had hundreds of these sent in. Thank you so much. Christine Bainham says Boris Johnson's next job should be team captain on Would I Lie to You? Carol Howell, 
and lots of other people said Boris Johnson's next job should be a party planner. Nick Smith said, bin man, he's been in the rubbish business for years. Ian Bowling said, Boris Johnson is an educated man, so a position in the prison library should suit him. Sarah Campbell said, we shouldn't get a say, really. It should be up to the governor and the wardens to decide where Boris Johnson is needed most. Theresa Wilson said, only one possible job for him. Nice uniform, plenty of time off, no danger of making a pig's ear of it. A traffic warden on Sark. Philip Bernard Ion said, darts match goalkeeper. And architect tag super said, a bed tester so he can lie all day. Deborah Lockwood was one of several of you who remembered uh, that advert about Fatima that the government put out recently. She says Boris Johnson's next job could be in cyber. He just doesn't know it yet. And Ian Bark, uh, my favourite, said Boris Johnson's next job should be checking the contents of trucks heading for the EU and filling out one form a thousand times each day for the rest of his life. Now, to more serious matters. On Sunday, May the 24th, France goes to the polls to elect its president for the next five years. But even if Emmanuel Macron manages to hand off the challenge of Marine Le Pen, and let's count no chickens about that after Brexit and after Trump, France looks like a country that is hopelessly divided on so many of the issues that continue to divide Britain, Europe, migration, chief among them. I'm joined by an award-winning journalist who writes for L'Express, uh, The Guardian, and I'm delighted to say for The New European. Welcome to the podcast, Marion Van Rentenham. Uh, Marion, it looks like Marine Le Pen is going to run Macron close at the very least, but too close for comfort for, for, for many people. No matter who wins, what does that say about France in, in 2022? Does it feel like a, a more divided country than ever? Well, yes, it is. You know, for the second time, you, the two runners-up for of the presidential election are Marine Le Pen and Emmanuel Macron, which is very unhealthy, I think. And uh, it says a lot about France and uh, about uh, and how about and about how sick uh, the country is. Uh, you know, yesterday I was um, I watched the, the the debate, the TV debate between Macron and Le Pen, and the the debate uh, is a sort of a French oddity. You know, it, we will. We, I think you don't have anything like that in 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 Britain. It, for us, it's like a a football World Cup final, <laughs> and um, uh, so. Uh, so the last time they they had this debate, Macron and Le Pen in 2017, she literally collapsed. And uh, this time he was um, he won on substance over her, but he didn't he didn't win and uh, she didn't lose. And the fact that she didn't lose was a sort of a, a victory for her because mm she was normalized and the, the the crazy situation we had is that a, a candidate of the extreme right uh, is a see, is seen as a normal and uh, debating normally with a french president so this is a huge victory for her and it it has shown um how much she has risen since since 5 years she she really she he, she had a very clever and a very smart and a very patient strategy to be normalized to appear as the candidate 
of the people and uh, to to be the the candidate who who supports people who who suffer and who have the pain in life and she made her believable this is the most the most weird thing we are attending in france and you know if you uh, add up all the scores of the second round you have more than 60 voters who went to candidates who either refuse the system as it is, who are against the EU, against, the NATO, against NATO, who more or less support Putin. And uh, Marine Le Pen is a result of all that, of a very divided country, a very sick country, where, where nationalists and populists are, uh, are a, majority, a majority for people. Mm. Do you, I mean, you, you, you talk about the five years in between these two elections and how Marine Le Pen and you say, you know, she spent the last five years on a strategy of de-demonization. Yeah. Has she really changed, do you think? She didn't at all. I mean, she's she's disguised, she's masked, she she advances in, in camouflage. Uh, nothing has changed in her in her extreme right program. She just uh, she just succeeded in in appearing differently, in um, in being softer in in her face. But um, really, she 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 hasn't changed an inch of her program, and uh, this is the big uh, the biggest trick. And, and the the what I what I'm very worried about is that people believed in her, and people don't see the difference uh, between her, who is really uh, he, he, she 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 could jeopardize democracy. And uh, and and people don't care about it. This is, I think, the the most uh, flagrant sign of 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 uh, the zeitgeist of the uh, of the populist uh, zeitgeist in France is that you have a, a huge wage of people who don't believe in democracy anymore and mm -hmm. who see a candidate like an extreme right wing candidate as a normal uh, as a normal figure. And uh, she, they say, I, I don't want neither Macron nor Le Pen as if they were on the same basis, and they are not. I mean, Le Pen has a mask of a, of a normalized and, un, and undemonized uh, person, and she wears all what she's, um, she's uh, supporting and all what she's, uh, the ideas she's defending uh, are really uh, a danger for, for democracy itself. Well, let's. I mean, just explain some of those those ideas. Then, what, what would a what would a Marine Le Pen presidency look like? Well, you know, for example, she is very obsessed uh, with uh, immigration and immigrants, and uh, for example, she wants to set up something like discrimination laws, which is uh, unconstitutional. She says that she wants a referendum to put. Uh, the national preference to people for employment, for example, mm. which has to, which means that she has to do referendum and change the constitution. This is, uh, this is, um, I mean, this scratches all the the basis of the of a republic. 
And uh, the other thing is that she says she doesn't want to stay, to, she doesn't want to, to leave the EU because she realized that this was not so popular in France. Last time, five years ago, she said that she wanted to, to do a Frexit, that she wanted to leave the, the, the euro. And uh, she realized that people were absolutely uh, uh, frightened by, by this uh, perspective. So she changed, she radically changed. But uh, when you looked, uh, when you look up the program in details, you realize that everything she suggests means that she will leave. It leads to, to um, it leads to leave the EU and to leave the euro because uh, she she sets her own rules, her national rules, mm. and doesn't um, which which are absolutely uh, we, we, which can't match with the, the rules of the club. That's right. I mean, she she wants a referendum on the death penalty, doesn't she? As, as part exactly. of this For wave example, of referendums, yeah. you can't you can't have the death penalty and be and be part of the EU. What, what about? I mean, one thing that always amazes me about these people: Trump, Farage, Le Pen. They, they are they're rich people. They are of the elite, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. and, and they present themselves as as people people of the people. Yeah, this is the biggest, the biggest lie. And I mean, it's, it's amazing and incredible. I, I can't believe that people believe in them in, in their in their lives. When you when you look at uh, Le Pen is a is a is a quite rich bourgeoise, you know, uh, she lives in the in a rich suburb in Paris, and she, she's a heir of a of a dynasty, of a dynasty, a dynasty, sorry, and uh, a heir of a, of a very rich family. So this, um, like Farage was, like Trump was, who was a billionaire, and uh, all these people are, are cheating on what who, who they are. But as, as you mentioned, Farage and Trump, I think we are leaving our Trumpian moment. Yes. It, and this election reminds me a lot of um, the election opposing Trump and Clinton. Uh, we, we don't have a choice between two ordinary candidates, between candidates who have different ideas uh, from a common base. They don't agree on the base itself. And uh, as I said before, uh, Le Pen uh, could destroy the rules and the basis of, of democracy and of the uh, French Republic. Um, and um, and uh, and she says in the art in the piece I wrote for you, I I, um, I related what the encounter I had with her yeah. when I I went to interview her in her headquarters in 2017, and she said to me that um, uh, Macron was the ideal opponent because he's a technocrat, a former banker, and he's, he embodies, and he's a caricature of the elite, and he embodies all what um, uh, French no longer want to have. And I can't, I, I can't, um, I, I keep on thinking of uh, Obama losing and uh, and producing Trump. You know, you have a sort of a way, a populist wave, um, which uh, the, the due largely due to globalization and to the effects of globalization, when you see uh, anti-populist and centrist leaders producing um, nationalist and populist ones, and so Obama produced Trump. You had uh, um, Renzi in Italy producing uh, Matteo Salvini, and you have uh, Macron who is 
uh, helping the rise of Le Pen because one of the biggest failure of Macron is that uh, five years ago he said, I will uh, prevent people from voting to to the extremes. Uh, I will I will do a mandate which will um, I mean which will, which will dismiss all the reasons to vote for the extremes. And he did the contrary. The mm. extremes have have risen. And again, you have. 60% of people, 60% of, of French voters who decided to vote for anti-system people in the first round. This is absolutely huge. What is, what, what is it about Macron that, that has, has inspired that then? I mean, because he, he like Joe Biden, he, he kind of takes on and criticizes very harshly people who disagree with him, doesn't he? He talks about punishing the, the unvaxxed and he talks about, you know, Gauls who are resistant yeah. to change. Does that sort of talk work in France or is it one reason he's struggled to win people over this time? You, there is a, um, a hatred, a, a detestation for Macron, mm. which is not rational at all. I think it's partly due to our system, our presidential system, which is, um, I think, is absolutely has to be reformed because it is not, uh, it doesn't match the the reality of politics of current politics. You have too many people who are not represented, uh, and you know, going through this this presidential system when you have just one person um, above the others. And um, and uh, it's it's not. I mean, it's not democracy as people want them yes. today. So partly, Macron, the, people are fed up with with president. It's it's paradoxical because we are very much monarchist. We love our president. The the presidential moment is is a is a is a. I mean, sort something everyone expects, and it's uh, like 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 I said, it's it's the World Football Cup. Um, but in the same time, we can't bear it anymore, and we we expect too much from our president. And at, in the same time. Uh, the day after he's elected, we want to behead him or her. So we, we have a, a very um, childish relationship with our president. So Macron is uh, the victim of, of that, but he's the cause of it too, because from this presidential system, he made a very, very presidential system, a very narcissist. He has a very narcissistic, narcissistic uh, way of uh, of ruling, of leading. I mean, he he's uh, very, very clever. He is, uh, I think, one of the most clever leaders I've, I've uh, ever seen in in France. And uh, he's very, very much self confident in his. Um, intelligence and he doesn't want to hear people and he didn't manage to build the party he didn't manage to build um, parliamentary majority he didn't uh, listen to unions he didn't listen listen to people he didn't listen to mayors he did all by by himself and uh, people couldn't bear that and I think this is his ma major fault uh, during his uh, 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 during the uh, through these uh, through these uh, five years, is that he 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 was not uh, he was not enough listening to, to people. So and 
so the third thing is that, so I said, there is the, the, the presidential reason, the, pres the constitutional uh, um, explanation. Uh, Macron, it's Macron himself um, 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 put it as, uh, I mean, did, did something himself uh, with this presidential regime. And the last thing is, um, lies in his personality. Mm. Is, as I said, extremely clever, very well educated, very gifted. He's quite handsome. Uh, last time I show, I saw a photograph of him with, you know, he had a, a very hairy, um, a hairy um, um, breast, <laughs> and he 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 boasted it with, you know, with her, his. Um, his uh, shirt was open, and you 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 can you could uh, you could admire his uh, hairy breast, and I I mean th this says a lot of him. He's he's very he's very self confident and too much gifted for ordinary people. Mm. Uh, people the the uh, and so the, the hatred, which is absolutely unrational, and he had a quite a good account after. Uh, after five years, who were five years of crisis of uh, uh, it was extremely difficult to to be a leader through these uh, through last year through with COVID with the uh, with the gilet jaune. Even if he was partly responsible of the gilet jaune for the reasons I mentioned, and then you had um, you had Ukraine. So he always had to deal with with crisis and couldn't in, implement the reforms he had in mind. But um, the hatred is is not rational. The employment, for example, has went went down for for a large part, and the 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 purchasing power has not declined so much. But people hate him, and I think that he, it is because he's a He's too much a gifted man, too much a clever man, too too much a caricature of the French elite who went through the the good schools and and good education, and life is easy for him. Even though uh, he he's not he's quite original. For example, in in his private life, he went to to he married um, a woman who was much older than he is, who was already married, and he who was a uh, his her his teacher mm -hmm. so uh, all this was not conventional at all and but so the, this romance uh, didn't uh, wasn't was not enough for people to to love him and uh, to to like him um, as, as a personality they only see the, the the arrogance the superiority and they want someone from the people and this is the advantage that Marine Le Pen has and that she very very cleverly worked on um, she she carried on building uh, an image of of a people of a people woman who is who, who she is not uh, actually yes absolutely i mean in many ways he is a, the perfect uh, opponent for her this time I, I, i'm guessing that from what I've seen of his 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 program, his platform, his his manifesto, that there isn't really much for for people to hang on to. In fact, the the, the thing that's discussed most is in raising the the pension age, which has again enraged lots of people. If if he wins, is it more to do with fear of of Le Pen than than respect for Macron? Oh yes, absolutely. He he would have lost against anyone, I think, except Le Pen, 
uh, or maybe Mélenchon, he would have not won. But I think that if Pécresse, Valérie Pécresse, for, from the um, uh, Conservative Party, was uh, was not so uh, so bad and and so I mean she she was uh, awful, uh, awfully uh, <laughs> stupid in her campaign. But she if she went if she had acceded uh, to um, the to uh, up to the second round, I think that she would she she could have uh, won over him. Uh, but yeah, th and the problem is that even if it's even with Le Pen, even with a uh, sort of a fascist, but she is she is a fascist really. Mm -hmm. When you read her program, um, even even uh, as with with Le, Le Pen facing him, her, his core is not. I mean, is not uh, as huge as it should be. She's, uh, he has a sort of a margin, the, the polls showing him winning by a margin of uh, 10 points so far, which is very, very, I mean, very weak, uh, very, it, it's, uh, it's indecent than uh, that uh, with uh, opposing such a, such a person of the extreme right wing, he, 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 dis, he doesn't win with a, a larger margin. I wanted to ask about, about Marine Le Pen and, and her father, because obviously before the last election, she kicked him out of the party. She changed the name of the party, all yeah. part of the de-demonisation stuff. Jean-Marie Le Pen endorsed Zemmour this time. Are relations between them really cold, really frosty, or is this part of the smokescreen of de-demonisation? You mean between Marine Le Pen and her father? Yes. Oh well, it's 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 been um, uh, stormy for for ages. Uh, I think she said recently that if she was uh, elected pres president, she would invite him at the Elysee, and he said that he would be very happy to to go to the Elysee, even even though he he lost him he lost it uh, himself. So I think that she is a political. Uh, before everything, and and uh, she, uh, they they had real roles, but I think that mostly she realized that he was too extreme for the strategy she wanted to implement, and when he said uh, many many times some. Uh, uh, he he had some um, uh, very racist very racist. Uh, formulas against Jews, against blacks, against uh, she said he said that uh, the genocide, the Jewish uh, genocide, the genocide of the Jews during the Second World War was sort of a, uh, just a detail of a history. So she realized that this was not um, in this 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 couldn't be heard in uh, in the twenty twenty first century. Yes, yes, but she will invite him if she uh, if she wins. I mean, of course, Macron. If he does win, he can't stand for a third term. If if she loses, I don't think you know she's not no, going to. He can't. He can't constitutionally. He can't. Yes, and and she's not going to. I don't think she's going to stand a, a third time. Do you sense though that somebody with the same policies as Le Pen, but not maybe not with the surname Le Pen and the history of Le Pen, could they win in in twenty twenty seven? Yeah, yes, I, I fear it because the, the rise of Le Pen is, is a symptom. 
uh, it's part, it's due to her because she's in a way she's charismatic and she has uh, she's rather gifted in in politics and she realized something. But I think that above her, beyond her, um, there is something happening in France which is really unhealthy. And uh, as as I said uh, before, you, you, these sixty percent of people who are unhappy with politics and with system as it is. Uh, people want to to destroy, go to the streets and and say they they want they want neither Le Pen nor Macron nor nor anything. I don't I don't know what they want. They they just want to. They are just negative. You know they they don't have anything to propose. But the thing is that and, and the, the rise of Mélenchon is is a significant too of something happening, and uh, I'm I'm really afraid and very worried because even if Macron wins which is likely uh, the day after the election well we will have the the parliamentary elections which is an, another story but the day after the election i think the violence in the street will will be will be um, very probable and mm -hmm. the, the everything will be a pretext for some people who say that they they hate uh, everybody, they hate Macron, they they don't want Le Pen, they don't want the system, they don't want anything, they will they will see the the, the least pretext to go to the street and do something. So um, yeah, I think that uh, uh, I'm worried. Of uh, I think my my country is deeply sick. To to tell the truth. Well, our fingers are crossed for you, Marianne. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank um, you very much. Sorry been, for my English. <laughs> no, it's been wonderful. Um, and uh, you can read Marion on Marine Le Pen and Macron in issue 289 of The New European. To get full access to our archive, you can subscribe at theneweuropean.co.uk slash subscribe. Now, before we enter the Hall of Shame, I want to remind you about a special series of podcasts from The New European. On the night between November 23rd and November 24th, 33 people were trying to stay alive in the English Channel. They were in a tiny inflatable, too many of them, and it was deflating. They called for help over and over again but nobody came to help them. By morning, they were dead. This was the worst tragedy of its kind, and it took place in one of the world's busiest shipping routes between two of the world's richest countries. In the days that followed, we learnt more about the people who died, men, women, and a young child, but their stories were soon eclipsed. First, there was a political row over who was responsible for the deaths. Then the story faded away, to be overtaken by government scandals and the coronavirus pandemic. The New European has spent a month retracing the journeys of some of those who perished. Where did they come from? Why did they leave? What drew them to Britain? And why did they have to die when the ships that could have saved their lives were so close? In this three-part series, we tell their stories because they deserve to be told. And we ask, what can be done to fix a system that's so inhumane?
The whole series of the 27 is now available to stream or download in the same new European feed where you found this episode. And if you want to support us to do more outstanding journalism uh, like the 27, please support us by subscribing. The neweuropean.co.uk slash subscribe. And while we're talking about podcasts, a reminder, Series 1, Series 2 of Great European Lives with Charlie Connolly are available now. They tell the life stories of remarkable Europeans in short 10-minute bites, and you get to listen to Charlie Connolly's lovely voice. It's a great listen. It's available where you got this podcast. So finally, it's time for the Hall of Shame, the home of blowhard, uh, backbenchers, malevolent ministers, putrid pundits, things that annoy me generally. Who's in the Hall of Shame this week? Oliver Dowden, co-chairman of the Conservative Party, is in it. He wrote on Twitter this week, there is something very simple you can do right now to keep your cost of living down. Well, that's good. What is it? Is there some kind of fund I can apply for a share of? Or are the Tories going to turn their cost of living loan into a grant? So is there a way that I can uh, avoid the Tory rising national insurance that's just come in? What is it, Oliver? Well, here's his full tweet. There is something very simple you can do right now to keep your cost of living down. Vote Conservative at the local elections on May the 5th. And uh, yes, well, coincidentally, I've just scrolled uh, past this tweet from the Transylvanian Vampire Party. It says there is something very simple you can do right now to keep your chances of being bitten on the neck by a vampire down. Uh, Vote Dracula at the local elections on May the 5th. So. There you have it. Uh, what about the Victorian sponge? Uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg, of course. Great week for him. He went on the Andrew Marr radio show, heard Andrew Marr talk about how upset he was to learn that uh, the week that Andrew Marr's father, uh, his funeral was held, officials were partying in Downing Street. Uh, what words of uh, sympathy did Jacob Rees-Mogg offer? He said Andrew Marr, uh, he should get a sense of perspective. Uh, then in a Commons Committee, Jacob Rees-Mogg said that about Brexit, the best is yet to come. Uh, I mean, it's going to get even better than this. I mean, it's just incredible to think about. And as evidence that Brexit was working, Jacob Rees-Mogg said this. Last year, when we thought we were not going to have any turkeys delivered for Christmas, Grant Shapps made 30 to 35 changes to ease up the training approval and systems for lorry drivers. We couldn't have done this in the EU. And of course... If we had been in the EU, we wouldn't have had to do it at all. The lorries would have rolled through without mountains of red tape, weeks of grant shaps and other government officials scurrying round to fix uh, sticking plasters to a system that they themselves broke with hammers. Uh, well, the Victorian sponge Jacob Rees-Mogg looked over approvingly. Tom Harwood from GB News is in the Hall of Shame. Tom Harwood is a human Teddy Ruxpin doll who'll repeat any old nonsense the government feeds him, seemingly without thought, seemingly without shame. This is what Tom Harwood tweeted the other day. Rwanda is going to become such a booming economy over the next decades. It's a smart move from its government to welcome motivated people to make their lives there. Can expect Rwanda to become a new hub for business, innovation and entrepreneurship entrepreneurialism uh and what great news that is uh tom so why don't you go and set up your entrepreneurialism hub over there first uh and i promise we'll all move out there uh, once you've uh, got fixed up honestly you go on without us to rwanda um and um, just give us a ring when you're settled and we will be on the, the next flight honestly 
Uh, and finally, while we're talking about client journalism, it's time to mention Anne Widdicombe. Um, she's in the Hall of Shame every week for her awful column in the Awful Daily Express, but I'm going to give her a rest this week because this week, foremost in the day, in the Hall of Shame is the Daily Express itself for its Partygate coverage. This was the front page headline on the Daily Express on Wednesday. Uh, what a waste of time. So much more is at stake. I mean, talk about leading the witness there. Um, let's not report the news. Let's just tell our readers what to think. That's what they said about Partygate. What a waste of time. So much more is at stake. Here are some highlights from the Daily Express's leader column on that day. They said, It is unlikely there is anyone in Britain who adores the sound of his own voice so much as Sakir Starmer. The Labour leader revels in his status as a former director of public prosecutions, but now it seems like he is in the persecution business. Imagine uh, if you'd come up with that, slapping yourself on the back and buying yourself uh, a glass of champagne. Uh, Quite incredible. Uh, It continued, Labour is attempting to exploit the enduring grief of families who lost loved ones. Uh, Sakir has done little uh, but hopped from one bandwagon to another in his tawdry mission to stir up bitterness. Uh, and finally, it says the country has moved on from Partygate. Well, I think we will be the judges of that, um, apart from, of course, the Metropolitan Police uh, and Sue Gray. Um, to me, the Daily Express's defence of Boris Johnson all sounds about as credible as the Daily Express's front page headline last Saturday, which was this. Boom time, two billion pound Easter boost for the economy. Uh, So this is my advice as you open your electricity bill uh, with horror, you fork out more and more for your shopping, you fork out more and more at the petrol pump uh, and you look with horror at the IMF's downgraded prospects for Britain, the slowest uh, growth and the highest inflation of any G7 nation next year. When you look at all that, Don't worry, be happy. It's boom time for brilliant Boris and glorious Great Britain. That was the New European Podcast with Steve Anglesey. Thank you so much to you for listening. Thanks to Marion and thanks to our producer, Eleanor Longman-Rood. If you don't want to miss an episode of the New European Podcast, please subscribe and give us nice ratings and lovely reviews. And listen to our new podcast, The 27. It's available in this stream. And don't forget Charlie Connolly's Great European Lives, available wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, if you like what we do, you can subscribe at theneweuropean.co.uk slash subscribe. You can join our Facebook readers group. You can follow us on Twitter at The New European. And please follow me on Twitter at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. Until the next time we meet, so long, snowflakes. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.